Hey everyone, and welcome to the Community Exchange podcast brought to you by OpenWeb. On this podcast, we're tracking the development and growth of the community economy by talking to the leaders in media, tech, trust, and beyond who are bringing it to life. Today, we've got something special for you, and here's why. For the next few weeks, we'll be releasing to our podcast feed a series of conversations with leaders in the publishing industry that were originally held live in front of a small group. Uh, These were not intended originally to be released widely, but they were such good conversations that we had to make them available to you all. Uh, So for the next few weeks, you'll hear conversations with IGN, New York Post, we have an AI expert joining us, uh, and more. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and you'll you know automatically be kept up with the latest in your feed. Um, so today, we are kicking off this limited series with IGN's very own Peter Schneider and Jada Griffin. IGN, if you're not aware, they are one of the largest and most active gaming and entertainment communities on the planet. Um, they are an incredible example of what it looks like to do enthusiast media right. Um, the company is renowned for investing heavily in its community, and given that they've been at it for over 25 years, they have a lot of insight to share. Um, we'll be joined today by Pierre Schneider. As I said, he is one of IGN's original founders, their current chief content officer. He wears a lot of hats, as he'll tell us about at IGN, responsible for editorial, video strategy, and products. There's a ton of valuable insights and information to share. We'll also be joined by Jada Griffin, IGN's head of community. She oversees all things community at IGN, from on-site engagement to growth and user safety. Very important to hear uh, to us here at OpenWeb. Um, it was great to talk with her, someone who's so invested in making the community really successful on so many different levels. Uh, now let's get on to our discussion. So for question number one, uh, I actually just want to kind of start off by introducing IGN and their approach to community building, and then I'll throw to them to um, to elaborate. So for anybody here uh, unfamiliar with IGN, although um, it's unlikely, uh, if, if you're not aware, they are one of the most recognized brands in the gaming industry. Um, IGN believes that their community, their engaged registered users are key to their success. Um, you know, they've made it a priority uh, to create an engaging and active community um, around all their content. So not only are they a legacy brand in gaming, but IGN's community is also one of the most active on the web and one of the most active in open web's network. Uh, their community is a home for users to engage in discussions and share their opinions, uh, yeah, engage, and we'll, we'll get into all the many different ways um, and contribute to the platform regularly. Um, by prioritizing this community building, IGN gives their users this sense of like ownership and belonging, um, which really strengthens that loyalty over time. So um, let's understand how the IGN looks at, thinks about community. Uh, of course, publishers have various different definitions for how they talk about their most valuable users in their community and which interactions are most meaningful. So um, Pierre, Jada, let's start with that. Uh, How do you define community at IGN and what is your ultimate goal when it comes to growing the community? Uh, Pierre, let's start uh, with you to kick things off. Yeah, so if I if I can indulge you for a second, if we go back to 1996, so IGN, you know, is a is a, an ancient brand when it comes to uh, uh, you know the online space, the online media space. Certainly, we predate YouTube, Google, any of the social networks. And and back in 1996, people were searching the web with excited home and uh, you know brands that are no longer around. And obviously, we are, and uh, we, we've grown over the years. And it's due to 
us being able to uh, to not just adapt to the changes in the online landscape and how users consume content, but also having a very clearly defined vision on who we want to be and how we interact with the audience. And that that term is is key. We were founded on the principle that we wanted to be, and literally back then, the guy on the couch next to you, because we were founded to be entirely focused on kind of a male male gamer lifestyle content. We've expanded over the years and obviously um, you know, broadened to become more accessible to everyone. Uh, but we started there and we said, we're the guy on the couch next to you. You want to talk to video games about all day long. And, uh, you know, we started as a website that was a one-way street. We published articles. And then as an editor, I would see the next day how popular the article was. And we click, quickly ran into the challenge that it, it, it just it, it didn't work to just be able to publish. We wanted to hear back from the audience. We created a mailbag within the first week of the website being live. We created a mailbag where we uh, invited people to email us. And then we would pick, you know, 10 to 20 questions every day and answered them. And that that ran for many, many years and was one of the core features of the site. And so that then informed the community strategy. We didn't want to be a one-way street. We wanted the entire experience to be a conversation with the audience. And so, you know, that meant uh, creating, uh, we did our own homebrew development on it, message boards, you know, leveraging some of the, the existing uh, forum uh, concepts that were already out there, building that into the website. But, you know, it created a little bit of a split between a boards experience and an editorial experience. So, you know, over the years, we added commenting to our website. Again, homebrew. And actually, every time you posted a comment on an article, it would also post to a message board thread. So, very different days back then, um, which created some some interesting, confusing uh, uh, disconnects. But that that was the that was the idea. It was the idea of not just being a publication that publishes content, but involving the audience at the base level. And what that created was that the audience had a stake in the game. That the audience was creating memes that we ran with and vice versa, right? So it, it created this language that anybody who was in the community understood and evolved and, and really shaped the way the website was written and later on how the video content was produced. Yeah, that's a, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, so I'm new to IGN. I've only been with IGN for roughly, I'll be actually my two year anniversary is coming up this month, um, but, yeah, I mean, community for for me and my strategies and IGN strategies is really about gathering like-minded individuals to come around and discuss things that they love. Um, you know, it often you hear when raising kids, it takes a village to raise a kid. It takes a community to raise a community. And so the bigger our community gets, the easier it becomes, along with more challenges, obviously, but the easier it becomes to have, find more of these pockets of communities inside of our space. There's so many different games and entertainment and things that just you know have fragments of audiences and communities but ign is great because we bring them all together and we have given them a place to kind of have those water cooler chats that you know you used to have at the office you know it used to be the thing like let's chat at the water cooler about you know last week's tv you know big tv show and now ign is all about bringing that together in one spot on our site that's exactly right. And I'd love to pretend that we were super smart back in the 90s and, and said, well, we're doing this because, 
you know, clearly audience retention and session times are key here. And we want people to ask a question, then come back the next day to check whether we answered it. But honestly, it was it was just this sort of we wanted to replicate what it is like to sit in front of the TV with a bunch of gamers and playing Goldeneye. Right. And so and having those frank and fun conversations. And then, you know, over the years, we're like we looked at, uh, at the data and we quickly realized that a registered user and specifically a commenter is the super user within the ecosystem and a registered user and a commenter watches more videos, churns more page views, comes to the website more often, and most crucially is a, is a promoter outside, right? These are the people who say, I hang out on IGN. I go there every day. It's a community I want to be part of and, and, and enjoy. And then, you know, we can talk a little bit later about how we chase some of the wrong metrics too. You know, that's, uh, I'm sure uh, every media brand and every major uh, uh, business brand has gone through that where you kind of get addicted to seeing the vanity metrics tick up and more is better. And we realize, no, it isn't, right? Being ready for more is good, but more is not always better. Super, super interesting. I mean, it's, it's funny because you know, we speak with so many different publishers. IGN is one that's been around for a long time and, and has had community, like you said, at its kind of core. Um, and I think what we just hear is how differently, you know, you kind of mentioned it, Pair, but publishers, each one kind of thinks of community a little differently. It's a very, it's a very like broad theme, you know, but one thing that's, I think, constant, maybe even if it wasn't the reason you did community initially, that community has become just a key strategy in driving lifetime value. Right. And I think that publishers, some publishers think of community as editorial based commenting. Others think of it as message boards and forums. Others think of it as, you know, awards and gamification. So there's many different ways to approach community. But I do think what we're seeing more and more of now is publishers are starting to dive in and commit to this theme of community as a core component of their strategy when it comes to audience development. But for us at Open Web, you know, we view community as the key for publishers to create and own direct data-rich relationships with their readers. And we know that that is incredibly important in a world where first-party data is becoming more and more crucial in the industry. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's a broad theme. Um, you all are, are trailblazers in it. You're amazing at it. And I think um, every publisher thinks about it a little bit differently, but at the end of the day, it's core to um, first-party data and uh, ultimately lifetime value and, and revenue. Certainly. Yeah, and, oh, go ahead. No, and, and, and I, I, was, I was going to just kind of like chip away at the, so there's obviously Ono community, right? And and when it comes to our, our user funnel and, and the way we assign value to our audiences, nothing beats Ono a website, our core apps, anything that where we not just own the experience, but we keep 100% of the ad revenue, we keep, you know, we, we have the data for our audience, that is the most valuable part of the, uh, of the sort of IGN experience. But you know, uh, Jada has been here two, we two years, and she joined at a point where IGN was already a, you know, I don't want to say fragmented, but I, di I di a diversified media brand in that you know, we we have more people watching IGN videos on YouTube than on our website now, right? We have more people engaging with IGN content on social media. We have 3 million followers on TikTok, right? So they're, they're platforms where not only do we have to learn 
what the right content is to publish there so users like it and, and engage with it and, and share it. But how do you think about community on all these different platforms? And, you know, uh, Jada has the, you know, the unenviable task to figure out how do you manage this sort of, you know, community planning and growth of the community across all these different platforms. And, you know, I think, Jada, you agree, the, the early results tell us that the community on TikTok is completely different from the community on YouTube, right? Yeah. And we can, yeah. we can see like sometimes we'll release a we'll we'll uh, publish a trailer uh, from a movie studio or a game company and the reaction to the trailer couldn't be any more different be different between IGN O and YouTube something that is well received on one platform may not be on the other and so it necessitates a completely different approach for Jada and her team too yeah it's uh, you... go ahead Mitch go ahead. I was gonna say no, it's, no, a, go it's a it's uh, a you know it's a mountainous task because um, our fantastic social team, we have to curate our content differently sometimes between the different platforms. And then my strategies for, you know, have to adapt based on, oh, this is just going to be an image or a carousel of images. This is going to be a video. So like what strategies go in place depending on the type of content? What type of vertical is it? You know, is it is it entertainment? Is it gaming? Is it anime? Is it tech? Like there's so many different things that you just have to account for. And so it just, it's a lot of spreadsheets, a lot of numbers, a lot of tracking, a lot of commenting, and just, you know, staying engaged with the users is the, the biggest thing. And like, that's just consistency and engagement is like core to all of those strategies. Yeah, so we, you talked earlier about how comments and commenters are the most valuable type of user. Um, and now we're talking a little bit about social and the different communities that are outside of the O&O. Um, so that just kind of makes me wonder, uh, how do those relate? And do you see these communities outside of Ono as like sort of feeders for the Ono community? Um, or is IGN happy to sort of have them as satellite communities on other platforms? Um, how does that how does that work? Is that is that how the growth strategy is structured? Yeah, look, I, I still hear a lot of people talking about um, driving traffic. Right, like we have a Twitter account, we're driving traffic. No, you're not driving traffic. You're you're exposing a page on another platform. You and honestly, you're making it harder for the audience to consume uh, your content by connecting the platforms in cases where you don't need to do that. Right, like if, for example, we 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 broke a big story in gaming that this year's E3, that's the Electronic Entertainment Expo, was canceled. Right, this is an annual event that brings everybody in the industry together. It's where the new PlayStations and Xboxes and Nintendo devices are revealed. We broke that story. And the story is E3 is canceled this year. That's it. So now you could go on Twitter and go like, oh my God, you won't believe the news today. Go click over to the website, right? That's the old idea of driving traffic and it, it's not good for the audience. And so there needs to be a, a certain level of realization that yes, you can use social media platforms to market your brand, to market your content. You can even, you know, like TikTok, we live stream on TikTok, but it's not a live streaming platform. So when we have a big live stream, we tell TikTok users, hey, it'll be on YouTube or on a website, or if you have an OTT set-top box, you can watch it there, right? So we do that sort of thing. But there has to be the realization that these social networks are popular because the communities love the experience there, and you're not going to drive them like cattle to another place. And so... Yeah, there there are applications and things that are on our website that are different from all these platforms. For example, we built a platform called IGN Playlist, where if you're playing 
you know, nowadays the, the biggest challenge gamers face, honestly, is finding enough time to play all the games that they want to play. And so we built this platform where you can mark down all the games you want to play. It's called your backlog in gaming, right? And you can say, uh, I want to play these games. And we tell you how long the games are and how much they cost and where to find them, how to beat them, all of that sort of stuff. And so IGN becomes an organizational tool. That is the way to connect, you know, a Twitter audience or Facebook groups audience that already likes us back into the core experience. I wouldn't say necessarily that always the, the sort of commenting feature is the way. However, there are things like uh, I'll give you an example. J Jada experimented a little bit with water coolers and ideas like that. But uh, if E3 is canceled... IGN may write an article with the voices from everyone, including Jada, uh, that uh, uh, where we have people commenting on, is this good? Is this bad? How do you feel about it? And then the audience can comment on that article and we'll pick uh, answers from the community to spotlight too, you know, in any follow-up coverage. And so you are creating this expectation that if you participate in the IGN community, good things can happen. And in the past, we have a video series called uh, Celebs um, uh, Respond to IGN Comments. We just did the cast of um, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. We now take the comments from all the different platforms, but also from open web on IGN. And so users seeing their username on IGN, uh, those are like examples of how we connect the different platforms and get people to re-engage. Yeah, Jada, anything you want to add or Joel? Uh, yeah, I'd say it's, you know, to to kind of echo what Per is saying about kind of pulling uh, comments from our users. We off, we've been um, adding them into our live stream coverage. So like our IGN Fan Fest, we, I go into our communities on our different platforms and we pull questions from them directly. And so, and then we put those in the live stream with their tags and everything. So like our big tent pole events of the year that we're running, we're making users in our community a big pillar of that and making to make it more successful. Yeah, and so like if, you know, if I had a less discerning boss, I think my OKRs, my goals for the year would be leverage all these different ginormous social platforms and our following on them, right? We have 10 million Twitter, uh, Twitter followers. Um, leverage all these platforms to get people back to the website that that I would imagine that would be a core goal. But like, it just doesn't work like that, right? The right approach and the mm -hmm. I'm not telling you a great secret here, but the secret to IGN's lasting success up to 25 years in the media publishing business is to realize that there are differences between these platforms. And, you know, Jada, maybe maybe spend a minute on talking about your first Friday concept. But like Instagram was a target platform for us. We saw a lot of younger gamers and, you know, Disney, uh, uh, Marvel, DC fans leaving Facebook and engaging uh, with Instagram, right? And this is before TikTok launched. And so we said, all right, core target platform for IGN on social is Instagram. How do we do that? And so, you know, Jada is running a, a little feature that I think is custom designed for Instagram, but could travel to other platforms, but it's very, very different from our own strategy. Yeah, so, you know, back in the day, IGN used to host for what we call First Fridays, where we would invite a lucky select group of people to come and tour the IGN office and we had all the statues and arcade machines and got to see IGN at work. Um, but with, you know, the pandemic and COVID and everything kind of changing, we ended up uh, not really being able to continue that tradition. So I took it and evolved it to a first Friday kind of staff AMA. So essentially we would put up on our Instagram story, 
um, which and it was just like, hey, ask us anything. And users would send, send us in every month hundreds to thousands of questions. And we answer as many as possible within the day. Sometimes I, I cut in some video and stuff to make it a little bit more exciting and stuff for certain answers when they're like, hey, which game are you most excited for? I'll just cut in a trailer with me talking over it and stuff like that. Um, but we also, I open it up in our whole staff and I'll post them all on our Slack channels and everybody's like, hey, I wanna answer this one. I wanna answer this one. Sometimes we get three or four responses and we'll, I'll post multiple responses to the same question because it's great to have a variety of opinions on the same subject matter because just because somebody's favorite game this year, most expected game this year is Zelda, but might not be somebody else. Somebody might be more anticipating for Spider-Man too. Um, but yeah, and so we do things like that and it's been a huge success for us. It's something that we're, you know, uh, we love doing every uh, month and I think we actually this Friday is first Friday as well. So <laughs> nice. um, definitely check in on the IGN Instagram for that. And if you would, you know, we, we played around with some other commenting platforms in the past. Sorry, guys, OpenWeb, we, we cheated. But um, we, we, you know, we played around with a video commenting platform on IGN uh, in the past. Um, and uh, it doesn't work there. Like the same, the same thing that we do on Instagram does not work on the website. And so it's, it's really important to, to just be cognizant of, you know, not just what the metrics are that you want to affect on these different platforms, because, you know, the, the, there's a big difference between TikTok and Instagram even, right? And, um, and, and, and how users will discover you depending on the things you do. Um, but it's also about just kind of realizing that that the the core experience and the way people want to interact may be different. And there are lots of people who want to comment in text format on IGN that probably wouldn't be doing that on Instagram. Yeah, I think that's I think that's such a good point. And that you know, like from our perspective, <clears throat> it's not about saying you know, open web wants to take everything you're doing on social and tell you to do it on your O and O instead. Yep. It's not that it's more, we want to enable publishers to have a space in their O and O right. Where they can offer sometimes similar social experiences, but also different experiences that give your audience another opportunity to take part in something that represents a community. And like you said, like TikTok users are just different than the people that might be coming to your site. So um, we definitely feel like it's a, it's almost like a compliment to the overall strategy of how you really service your readers and your audience in the various platforms that, that uh, they go to. So it's, it's great to hear you talk about it that way. And it makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's really in line with the way we think about it too. Yeah, the analogy I always use for TikTok with with people who ask us about our success there, and we we are we have the most followers of any media brand on TikTok, which like bigger than you know Washington Post and and everyone else out there. And people always ask like, how how did you do that? And it's we didn't buy followers or anything. It was looking at the metric, looking at the experiences that we drove that resulted in people following our account, and obviously looking at engagement metrics. You know. Um, the analogy I always use is that running TikTok uh, for IGN is as different from running other social network feeds as running IGN US and IGN Japan is. We translate content into 20 languages. We have a local team in Japan, and you just can't do the exact same things that work in the US. The audience would not engage with it. They wouldn't trust us, right? And also the subject matter has to be different. The top-selling game in, uh, in, in Japan for the Nintendo Switch 
this year is Momotaro Dentetsu, which nobody in the U.S. has ever heard of. It's a it's a board game where you build trains throughout Japan, right? And and that's that's how different TikTok is. Um, I was going yeah, to say really one great. thing. The, oh, yeah, the, the other, the other, I mean, the other core uh, tenet for us is that you need to be present in your community, and I and I think that is one of the challenges that many media brands face. First of all, it's it, obviously it's time consuming. You have to be committed to community, and like Jada has only been here two years, and I can tell you, like we've had community managers before, but but it it wasn't always the first role we hired, right? We have all these things we want to do all this coverage we want to generate. And so community managers always those like, yeah, we need one, but you know, can't we just go with AI moderation and call it a day? And the answer is absolutely not, right? You need a human in the building who understands the community. And, you know, maybe there are AI tool sets that make our jobs easier, but somebody needs to really think about the strategy and needs to keep a pulse on the, the health of the community. But crucially, the worst thing that any media brand can do with a community is to not be present. You know, like if you, I'm a school teacher will tell you, right? Like there's a very big difference between how your students talk when you're in the classroom as opposed to when you're not in the classroom. And it, it's very important for us to make sure that the names under our articles are seen as humans, not bylines. Because if they're seen as just bylines, the audience will talk about the creator disdainfully or as if they're not one of them they you know there's this sort of uh there's this sort of disdain for critics now that you'll you'll hear a lot right like oh the rotten tomatoes user score is 90 percent, but the critic score is 30 percent. you can't trust critics and i the 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 drive and the the goal needs to be to make sure that the audience understands that these Critics is just a term. They're fans, right? They're they're people who enjoy watching movies. They're people who enjoy playing games. They're just like you. And the only way to do that is to be present as humans and interact with the audience and seek out the positive members of the community, interact with them, rather than always following in the trap of going after the troll and answering or, or trying to kind of like correct them. It's like that person does not want to they don't they're not seeking knowledge they're seeking an engage a moment of of engagement that's negative and so don't give it to them go for yeah. the go for the positive members and engage with them yeah most of the time those type of uh users are just waiting for you to make a mistake and capitalize on that for their own <laughs> advantage um that, but yeah to paris point about you know showing that we're not just a byline that showing that we have a personality that there's people in the room, in the conversation. That's part of the reason why I started the IGN AMA because it has our faces. It's you know, like, it's us directly. So you see, hey, this is Jada. This is what Jada really likes in this game. You know, you may not like this game for X, Y, and Z reasons, but Jada likes it for ABC reasons. Maybe that's enough for person three, you know? So, and so having things like that um, really helps with just kind of separate us from being like, oh, IGN got this wrong or hey, IGN got this right. Like, yes, we, we're gonna take those as well, but at the same time, you're like, hey, I maybe don't agree with this review, but I like this reviewer specifically because I've agreed with their reviews in the past. So maybe I'll take a chance on it because it may be something that I like. And so like having those types of ways of familiarizing ourselves with the audience is very important to us. Um, you know, one of the things I really told uh, and everybody I interviewed with when I was coming in for IGN is like community is a living, breathing thing. It's not something that you can set and forget. 
It's something that you have to constantly be evolving and adapting because society changes and evolves and we have to be there with it. Otherwise, we're doomed <laughs> because people will find, will go to somewhere else that is doing similar things and is evolving and adapting. So it's a matter of us staying on the cusp of everything that's new and just being on top of it. So, but yeah, that's, yeah, and we do a lot of, you know, there's, I have a big focus. I, I lead one of, or I help lead one of our podcasts. Um, and so I'm in those comments every week after the podcast, uh, engaging with our users that have watched our videos and like that may have questions. We'll put polls and questions in the podcast and have people respond like, hey, what was your favorite PS2 game? Um, and so, or what game, you know, was most memorable to you? And we will, I'll go in and I'll engage with them and I'll be like, that was a great choice. I'm mad I didn't say that one. And just mm -hmm. other, you know, just, you know, small talk is, it's literally, you can, it literally can be as small as just little small talk. And there's, but there's been other ones where I've had really good connections and, you know, I've joined discord servers for some of our users to engage and connect with them um, further and, you know, just get to know them on a deeper level um, because it's very important. And I can't do that with every user or every group of friends on IGN on all of our multiple channels, but I can make the effort to do that with pockets here and there to help influence our plan and our strategy moving forward because chances are if it works well for one group it's going to work for a couple at least a couple other groups at least i'm hoping so <laughs> I, I have yeah. to say it's I pretty have to say, um, oh, go ahead from 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 open web's perspective i have to say that i uh i certainly commend ign because you do an amazing job of being in the community with the you're part of the community really like your staff and your team and i i like i mean it like if you look across the open web network of partners which there are many there is certainly a positive correlation in terms of how engaged the publisher is from a community management perspective and taking part in that discussion uh, there's a positive cor correlation between how much that is happening and how engaged and vibrant the community is and i think ign is just an amazing uh, amazing example of that. So um, we we see it time and time again. And when we're having conversations with maybe new partners who are thinking about launching a community, we're very upfront with it's not like you said, Jada, it's not set it and forget it. Um, you're not going to succeed that way. You're going to have to be prepared to be a part of it and really like Paris said, commit to it. And, and yeah, IGN is a shining example of that for sure. Yeah, and I won't lie, it's a pain in the butt to get people to want to engage with the community, right? And, and one thing that had, has definitely happened in media I think more so in mainstream media, like hard news outlets, is that the the writers don't feel like they should engage with a with the community because um, you know perhaps based on negative experience in the past or the sort of feedback they get when they're delivering bad news, um, the feedback they see they get on Twitter, right? And so for for a lot of writers, and and you know they're just genuinely horrible people out there who will come after you for other reasons too. And so some people say like, well, I don't feel comfortable engaging in the community because of what could happen. Now some of that, some of that is unavoidable, and you know Jada helps kind of like bridge the gap there, right? Like if Jada spots a positive interaction, like if if a, a reviewer posted a, a review and. There are multiple audience members saying, this is why I love that reviewer. You know, that's a really good flag for that writer to go back in and say, oh, shucks, thank you. Right. Like even that sort of like that little connection makes a huge difference. But a lot of journalists, um, you know, it, it, they, they, they kind of a lot think. And by the way, I'm a journalist, so um, I, 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 I've kind of felt like this in the past, too, where um 
they feel like they're done with a piece and they're stepping away, right? It's like, I'm done with this piece. I have something else to do, but they, but you're not done with a piece when it's out there. You do own the reaction to the piece. And what happens sometimes is that the audience actually has a good point. They may point something out. You may have missed something or you may have, you may have a, a, a mistake. And so we use our community on the website and the open web comments to, to detect some things. Sometimes you detect interest. They want more about that story. Or like if an article has thousands of comments, we're like, okay, we're actually not done with that story. We should have a day two story. The audience wants to keep talking about it. They want that next water cooler and they want that next step up. But sometimes they issue a correction and we'll just say in the comments, hey, thanks, fixed, boom, right? Yep. And, and like, it just stops any sort of negative thread from forming. They go, oh, cool. Like me saying something uh, actually had a positive result and the piece is better. And even if they said it in the in a nasty way or the wrong way, if you're just kind of even keeled about your response, the next time they may say it nicely by just saying, hey, you have a typo in there, you have a mistake in there. And so that's the thing, like getting getting journalists to want to engage is definitely an uphill battle. Everybody's busy. Everybody wants to move on to the next thing. But it is important. We, we tried all sorts of ways. We used to have like a, a 30 minutes of the day schedule to interact with the community. It just doesn't work. It just feels rote and kind of mechanical. And so it's just a it's just a thing that someone like Jada has to keep working on that I have to work keep working on with messaging and constantly say, be present in your community and don't substitute Twitter for your own experience. Don't, you know, a lot of journalists engage with their fans on Twitter and that's fine. It's a good place for it, but you cannot forget the ONO, the sort of core of the business too. Yeah, and actually um, speaking of community, our community here in the uh, in the audience has a couple of questions that relate directly to what we're talking awesome. about right now. Um, so I actually think we should jump to those um, and skip maybe a couple of the questions that we that we plan for. Um, the, the first one I want to go to directly related to what we were just talking about is from, um, Frode Pedersen. Uh, so he, he asked, uh, or she, sorry, I'm not sure. Um, uh, do you engage journalists to participate in the debate? And if so, do they do it as a first question? And as a second question, uh, that they have struggled, I'm not sure what, uh, publisher, uh, they're from, but it says we've struggled with the commenting section being unbalanced in terms of gender balance and diversity, do you, IGN, work actively to increase diversity in the debate? And what actions are you taking? So I feel like the first question we've answered already, um, and definitely it's encouraged to participate and uh, engage in feedback from the audience. So I guess we could focus on the second question uh, about gender and um, you know diversity in uh, in the comment section and in the ONO community. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll start, and then I think Jada, you obviously uh, have have a lot of opinions on this, and you know part of why we brought Jada into IGN is we 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 wanted a different type of community lead, and honestly, if you look at games media in the past, every community lead was male, it was a young white male, you know, and I think the the idea was well, that's most of the community, and therefore let's have somebody representative of the community, which of course leads to the community never changing and never, you know, diversified, just, ne just never, uh, diversification just never happening. And, and so the, this, the story is needs to start with a content creation. We run a number of podcasts. Uh, some of them go back to, geez, Jada, I don't remember when game scoop went up first, but it was like, it was uh 2000 something. Right. Um, I mean, we're about to hit episode 800 on beyond next week. So like that's, <laughs> 
800 weeks at least. Our, our, our PlayStation podcast is that old as well. So we run a number of podcasts and they, you know, they, they were predominantly, um, they had panels of four people. They were predominantly white male back in the days and we made an effort. And it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing when you have an established community and you say, well, you're going to change the cast of a podcast. The only reaction is negativity. Right. And so you just have to stick to your guns and, and say, but, you know, we want to bring in different sorts of voices. And, you know, Jada is a, a, a member of our, our podcast every week uh, as well. Now, every podcast at IGN uh, has a rotating, rotating staff members. So there's a seat where we, where we rotate new people in to test new voices to showcase new voices and faces to our audience, but also, you know, all our console podcasts have uh, female members on them and, and people of color. And so it needs to start there, right? The most podcasts are by far the place where the most sort of hardcore fans, most avid fans hang out. They don't necessarily translate into commenters. They engage with audio programming when they're in their car, but they yell at their radio and they disagree and they kind of follow up when they get to work or school or whatever, they'll follow up and tweet at us. It's a, it's a wonderful community and you have to, you have to understand how to, how to treat them, but they, they really are formative in, you know, how the discussion then develops from there because they, they will share things on their own feeds on social media. And so it starts there, making sure that the programming has the diverse voices uh, we invested a lot of time and effort into bringing on uh, a more div diverse set of freelancers. Again, like when you're dealing with games, traditionally, if you put out the word saying you're looking for freelancers on IGN's Twitter or LinkedIn, most of the applicants will be male. It's just that happened. And we had to say, okay, so let's go one level deeper and let's go to colleges. Let's go to places where we can find a more diverse cast of freelancers. So that was the starting point to it. And then yeah, you know, uh, Frode, your 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 question is great because there are a lot of in the past I've heard from a lot of female staff members that they weren't comfortable with stepping into the community, right? That there was this there were a lot of preconceived notions over uh, what female gamers are. There was the sort of perception that female gamers only play The Sims, or they, you know, the female gaming audiences only congregate around Apple, uh, you know, iOS games and only play Candy Crush. And while, you know, Apple arcade games are, are dominated by female players, more players play, uh, more female players play mobile games than, than male players at this point. The truth is that some of these games are incredibly difficult. Some of these games are very, very hardcore, take a lot of time to play, right? So it's not a casual gamer audience. And so what we did at IGN is we have, you know, Miranda Sanchez is our head of guides. She is our skill gamer. She can take out, take down anybody in Call of Duty. And so we featured her in live streams and it kind of changed the discussion from going, you know, why do you have a woman reviewing a shooter to, yeah, I don't want to go up against her. <laughs> She'll take you down, right? And so it, it takes a lot of work and it, you have to be courageous and we have to obviously put some, some, um, some process in place to make sure that our female staff members feel safe going into those communities. Maybe Jada, you can talk a little bit about that too. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you covered a lot of it, but yeah. uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I talk a lot. It's, no, I know it's fine. It's just part of your, it's part of your passion. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, Miranda, myself, a bunch of the other ladies, Stella um, Chung, who's one of our other big FPS players. Like we cover a lot of, a lot of gameplay capture comes from the three of us. A lot of content that comes from three women. You'll, you, you'd never know it because it's, 
honestly, it shouldn't matter at this point in this day and age. Good gameplay is good gameplay, regardless of who's holding the controller. But IGN is very, you know, very keen on making sure that women have the opportunity. Um, we're always, you know, we do a, uh, anytime there's an opportunity, it's opened up to anybody who has an interest in it. It's not a matter of seniority or anything. It's say, hey, who's interested in doing this? And, and that's kind of how we do it. And there's a lot of women on staff, so a lot of gameplay comes from us women. Um, but as for in the community and in the comments section and kind of, you know, protecting those users that um, are staff members that may not feel comfortable or, um, you know, just willing to join in those sections because they're of the fear of um, retribution or persecution from audience members, which can easily happen. It's a matter of just being really cognizant of the articles and stuff as they're going live, having your moderation team alerted and ready. We have an SOS channel. Anytime we have anything going up that we think may be a little dicey, that may get kind of like people may be very passionate about. Um, and so, and the, those are the ones we pay very, we pay extra attention to because we know that people can be a certain way. And it's a matter of, I live by a very much a two strike rule. Um, I know it's kind of goes against normal baseball rules, but it's, if I see a user that says something borderline and I'm like, hey, this isn't going to fly, just giving you a warning now, next time they're out, they're done. I Because it's one thing to make a comment and maybe they don't realize it or um, that they're that they said something harmful. But after being warned, like, you know, it at that point. So it's very much kind of my philosophy for for that. And it's a matter of I show up in all the conversations. It's about being present and having your women present, having a strong community lead or community manager um, that is willing to be in there and kind of tank for your team. This is an RPG term. If you, you know, I, I'm a tank. I, I absorb a lot of the uh, anything that negative that might come through. That's my job to intercept and then and then support my team by bringing them in for the wins and helping them win. Um, I get my own wins. I do reviews for IGN. I have a plenty of time where people come in and like, like, mm, I don't know. I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. This is, this is my opinion. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and it, it, you know, that's, it's a lot of times it just comes down to educating your audience and just making sure that it is well known. Um, that's a big thing for me when it comes to community management is educating your audience, um, in a way that's not condescending. That is like the, I cannot hammer that home hard enough is to not be condescending to your audience because just because you feel this way doesn't mean that it is the best. It could, everybody has different life and lived, lived experiences. So what I experience in, you know, from a story in a game may be different from the way that pair or Mitch or Joel experiences. And that's goes for movies, entertainment, any type of uh, story, really, you know, we're all of, we're all very unique people and we have different lived experiences that will change how we react and how those types of stories affect us and how we choose to comment on those. Um, you know, one of the things that really um, I will try to do with with users is I'll see like a use a comment that may get rejected automatically by the system and I will just message them on a like on a separate comment that they've made in the past or if I have, you know, if I'm able to reach out to them because some of them I know via Discord I'm like, hey, that's a little touchy. I can't approve this. I'm rejecting this. If you want to try and rewrite it and make it more 
personable and more just kind of open-ended to where it's not going to, you know, be like you can get your point across without being offensive to anybody, I will approve that and I will work with you on that. And so it's a matter of finding that common ground and that middle ground with your community. And that's why it's so, it's so important to have somebody in the comment sections basically every day um, as often as possible to kind of build that relationship with the audience. And, you know, like Pear yeah. said, it, it starts from it starts from the top. It also comes from hiring people of color, hiring women, hiring diverse candidates for a various roles, because that will start to trickle down and your audience will recognize when you have these voices, you know, they will notice when you don't have a person of color reviewing a piece of a content, uh, a piece of content that is primarily from people of color, they will notice that type of thing and they will point it out, they will comment it and they'll be like, why didn't a person of color review this? If, hmm. if your answer is throw your hands up in the air, it's like you're then there's something needs to change in your strategy yeah. around your um, your staff. The answer can't be nobody was available. You know, the exactly. answer then, yeah. then you, you need to you need to find someone. Yeah. And we know in general, users are just demanding more accountability. Audiences want more accountability from publishers, from content creators on these sorts of issues. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, we have, we're almost out of time. Um, we only have a couple minutes left. We have about six more questions from the audience. Um, so obviously we're not going to get through all of them, but I, I see a few of them. Maybe we could try to do a, like sort of a lightning round. That's if it. you guys are up for yeah. it. Let's go for okay, it. We could try. Um, do it. some Super of these questions, fast. you know, I think pretty much anything in this field is going to lend itself to like a more in-depth answer, but we could give it a shot. Um, I'll just start from the top in the order that they came in. Uh, this one's from Oliver Barsby. Um, if you're still here, Oliver, uh, we're going to answer this one live. So uh, Oliver writes, we've talked a lot about communities on social, but a lot of IGN and everyone else's users come from search. Um, how do you approach community and loyalty from a search user experience? Yeah, look, that's, one, that's one of our big OKRs this year is, you know, Google is our biggest friend, but can also be your biggest enemy. For one, search traffic is usually the lowest session time traffic. It's somebody who wants an answer. When they get the answer, they bye-bye, right? They, In many cases, they may not even know that they were on a website called IGN and somebody will ask them where to get the answer. They'll say from Google, right? So it's about educating them where they are. It's about making sure that the search user knows what else you've got. A lot of people today tell me, I first found IGN looking up cheats for Grand Theft Auto 3 or some variation of that story. And we need to make sure that when the search user arrives on IGN, maybe the experience is a little different. So we're working on that. We're using some external platforms to market and specifically target users who arrive on search. And then there's the realization that there are other things that they could be engaging in. How do you get the user to stick around a little bit longer? Hey, we put a poll in an article. The user hangs out 10 seconds longer, always. And yep. when, you put, when you put a poll in an article, more users will use OpenWeb to comment on the article. Yep. works every time. And so that is part of a solution and it's not the only solution. What are the other types of toys that you can play around with in articles that get the audience to stick around? It's about having a hook. That's like, it's, you know, as lightning round as it can get. It's about having a hook when somebody arrives at your site, no matter what page they arrive on, have a hook to keep them looking at other stuff. Exactly. That's great. Um, okay, let's go on to the next one. Um, this person is an anonymous uh, question. It says, I want to ask, and if, if I read, I'm reading them the first time now, if they don't lend themselves to a quick answer, we yep. can just say, we'll, we'll try to get back to you. Um, although if you're anonymous, we won't be able to. 
Uh, this one is, I want to ask how AI would affect the way we direct content and operate a website about daily news. I feel like this one would be, is a huge topic um, that we could do an entire webinar about. Um, so I will say this um, to this person, thank you for the question. Uh, for right now, given we have almost no time, we're going to have to skip it, but we can, uh, we'll definitely let you know, we have um, some content coming about AI uh, and, and OpenWeb is working using generative AI on some upcoming releases. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, here's a good one. Uh, if you were building a community, and I think this is going to have to be the last one. Uh, if you were building a community on a new site from scratch, where would you start? On site or off? It really would depend on what type of site you're building, right? I, I would, uh, I, I think uh, if, if all you're building as a news aggregator, I, I think I would start off-site, honestly. But if you're building some sort of experience that has a unique hook to it, like a reason for it being a website, I think I would definitely start with community built in from the get-go. I have three kids. They're the sort of generation that does not start their journey with a website. They always yeah. start off-site somewhere, right? But when they find something that really matters to them, I'll, my daughter loves anime. She can't live without Crunchyroll. That's the Netflix for anime, mm -hmm. right? And so her conversations about, about anime are really within that platform. And it would, it would have been a shame if they hadn't started with that sort of approach. Yeah, I'd say uh, the quick answer is figure out what your strengths are, figure out what your website strengths is going to lend its best to, and then start from there. Um, I will say going from an outer like social uh, perspective can have a great knock-on effect because you can reach a larger audience faster. Um, and so that's probably a the easier place to start, I would say. Um, but you're going to get more value out of if you have it started on your homepage. Okay, great. And um, I think I think with that, we're out of time. Um, we've reached the time limit. Uh, so thank you, everybody else who asked questions. Sorry we weren't able to get to it. We're going to take these down and see if there's some way that we can try to get an answer for you after this. Um, but uh, to wrap things up, Pierre, Jada, Joel, thanks for joining us. This was really great. We covered a lot. Uh, I think this was really insightful. So thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you. For having us. All right, you've been listening to the Community Exchange, an open web podcast that tracks the emerging community economy by talking to the leaders who are bringing it to life. My guests today were Pierre Schneider, Chief Content Officer, and Jada Griffin, Head of Community at IGN. Pierre and Jada, thank you so much for making the time and sharing your insights with us. For everybody else, we'll see you at the next episode.